Well, we're excited about next week and uh, allowing no more bookings and, and we can have people here. Although we are spreading it out to an extra service on a Saturday night just to give us more space. Uh, it is recommended that we observe the four square meter rule and uh, our uh, prime minister is actually uh, recommending at some stage soon that we would reduce that to the two square meter rule. So that would be great. And uh, hopefully one day we'll get to hug each other again and shake hands and uh, go beyond the fist pump and the elbow bump, whatever it is. Amen. And, uh, and we're looking forward to that. But we're looking forward to the service today. And if you're a guest here, we want to welcome you. Thank you for joining with us. And we pray that the Lord would minister to you and bless you. Uh, I remember my first time coming to this church. I'd, I was about 19 years old and I'd never been a Pentecostal church before. Grew up in a church where you could hear a pin drop. And uh, coming here, when I first came here, I thought everybody was crazy. That they, the way that they were carrying on and dancing and shouting. And uh, I just my first reaction was, get me out of here. <laughs> but thank God. Uh, he had his way within my life, and, and now I'm part of this. And so you're only a guest here once, then you become a part of us if you keep coming back. Amen. Exodus chapter 33, turn to your Bibles. Those of you that are watching on a live stream, turn to your Bibles. Exodus chapter 33, verse 15 to verse 23. We're continuing our series on a way through, looking at the, the children of Israel and how they uh, found a way through by God's grace and power through the wilderness. And we are, in a sense, going through some kind of wilderness in the world right now. With this pandemic, with all that's going on, the social upheaval, uh, we're in a little bit of a wilderness, I think, in the world. But uh, God's hand is upon the church. Exodus 33 and 15, it says, Then he said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight? This is Moses talking to God. Except you go with us, so we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, please show me your glory then he said I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion but he said you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live and the Lord said here is a place by me and you shall stand on the rock so it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. This is one of those remarkable events in the Bible of a man's encounter with God. And I want to talk to you today on, on that, that prayer of Moses. Uh, show us your glory. Show us your glory. Would you join with me in prayer? And let's ask God to bless uh, the ministry of his word. We also have a prayer request from Sister Anna's brother who is undergoing, uh, who's got cancer and uh, he needs God's intervention. So with every head bow, every eye closed, let's lift up our voices, our Heavenly Father. We thank you that you hear the prayers of your children. 
We ask you, Lord, for Sister Anna's brother right now, Lord God, that you would touch his life, that you would intervene in his life, Lord, by bringing healing to his body right now. He needs your hand. He needs your healing and miracle. And so by the authority of your word and the power of the name of Jesus, we claim healing for him and salvation in Jesus' name. Lord God, have your way. Continue to bless all those that are unwell. And as we stand here today, we ask you to open our hearts and minds that we would receive your word, that you would anoint your people, anoint the servant of God, I pray, for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you clap your hands one more time and thank the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Glory to God. God bless you. You may be seated. I uh, just also want to say uh, it's a special milestone for Brother Ajibo. It's his 30th birthday today. Amen. 30 years old. That's how old Jesus was when he started his ministry. Amen. So it's all downhill from here, Brother Ajibo. I'm just kidding. The giving of the Ten Commandments was surely one of these remarkable, unsurpassed events especially for, for Moses himself. He has seen incredible things. And, you know, you, read, you just read the book of Exodus and what we've been looking into, and it's, it, it's more astounding in some of the things, some of the miraculous and supernatural events that takes place, uh, even more than what you may see on those blockbuster Hollywood movies. But here, God, by the finger of God himself, he writes... The Ten Commandments on the Tables of Stone. This is, I guess, the backdrop to the, the text that we read. This is what happened leading up to this, this story. And so God gives them the Ten Commandments. And, and remember that the movie, of course, known by the Ten Commandments and Charlton Heston. That's who I always picture Moses to be. Uh, Charlton Heston with a rifle in his hand. <laughs> I mean, a, a staff in his hand. And, and what... Uh, I'm sure after 40 days and 40 nights of Moses being on the mountain, uh, something that he was looking forward to was actually coming down to see the children of Israel and, and be able to share to them this incredible revelation. Not only was the, these tablets of stones, but what was contained in them was the law of God, the word of God, that now he was uh, going to be able to share to the children of Israel. And so the story goes that he and Jacob, uh, Joshua rather make their way down from the mountain. And, and as they get closer to base camp, they, they start to hear this sound. And, and what, what sounds like a commotion and even possibly a, at some stage a sound of war, uh, after a while as they draw closer, they now discern that it is the sound of revelry, the sound of partying and celebration and feasting. And, and most of you would know the story of what happened that the children of Israel became impatient, and after a while, they, uh, they, they, they didn't see Moses for 40 days, and so they thought, well, why don't we just, uh, you know, hearken back to our Egyptian days, to the days when they were slaves, to where uh, they would see the Egyptians have all of these idols and statues by which they called their God. And so they took all their jewelry, melted it down, and, and caused Aaron, or forced Aaron to to make a, a, a statue, a golden calf made of gold. An incredible uh, sight to behold, uh, absolutely. And as Moses 
uh, went down and saw what they were doing, partying. They were taking off their clothes. There were uh, all kinds of sin and debauchery was now beginning to take place as they were emulating the world. They were emulating Egypt. That's what they were trying to do. And so in his anger and disappointment, Moses takes these tablets of stones and he smashes it upon the rock. He takes this golden calf and, and he melts it down and he grinds it to powder and mixes it with water and makes the children of Israel drink. This was a, a very harsh kind of situation to the point that, that he said, all of those that are on my side, you, you come on this side. And those who are against God, you go there. And on that day when they drank that, that mixture of, of powdered gold or whatever it was, 3,000 people were killed. And so this was a horrible scene. After all that God had done for them, after all that, that God had provided with, remember that, we've been looking at this the last several weeks. God gave them water from the rock, bread from heaven. He gave them, uh, uh, you know, chicken meals. He, he gave them all kinds of provisions constantly. And here they are now, just because Moses was gone for 40 days, they, they resort to creating an idol. And, and remember, the first of the Ten Commandments, remember what God gave. He says, you shall have no graven image. You shall not make any graven images. Neither shall you bow down to them. And when he comes down, that's exactly what they were doing. Uh, you know, and I guess I know I'm kind of quick to kind of condemn these people and say how foolish they are. But, but I submit to you that, that we often have the same kind of nature. We, we are all of Adam. You know, we've all inherited the same sinful nature. We've all got the same kind of weaknesses and, and propensities and proclivities that, that after a while, you know, we, we don't go to church for a little while. You know, there's a, a lockdown and we don't go to church for a week and a month, three months. And, and all of a sudden, we, we don't even want to get online anymore watching the live stream. And, and I don't know if I'm going to go back to church and we kind of get involved with something else. And, and that's just human nature. And, and after this, this horrible scene, incredible disappointment that Moses had, he was terribly distraught that the Bible tells us Moses goes into the tent of meeting. He goes alone with God. And, and this is where we read these wonderful words, this beautiful prayer that Moses gave. Because Moses is, is so upset and, and, and he's, he's saying to God that, uh, you know, uh, I don't know how to deal with these people. And God says, well, Moses, you know what? I, I've told you you can go to the promised land. You go to the promised land, but I'm not going to go with you. I'm going to send my angel before you. Uh, I'll give him the location. I'll type in the GPS. But this time, I'm not going with you. Uh, God was with them the whole time. He was, was present with them at all times. But now, something had changed in God. It's as if God said, I, I've kind of had enough. I've given everything I can. I've, I've pers persevered with these people. Now, Moses, you go ahead. And Moses said, uh, I'm not going anywhere without you. But God is saying, no, that, that's it. I'm not going anymore further with you. And, and I think that for us, brothers and sisters, is, is an important lesson for all of us. That the Bible says that God will not always strive with man. Amen. Amen. Can I, can I get a witness somewhere? God will not always strive with man. Can I tell you, I believe that God is a God of grace. Yes, he is. The Bible says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. 
I believe that his mercies are new every morning. I believe that there is no sin that you can be involved in that God cannot forgive you. There is no pit, no darkness, no distance where God's love cannot reach out to you. But hear me today, the same God of love, the same God of mercy, the same tender Jesus, meek and mild, the same God in the Bible also says that he will not always strive with man. Amen. That means that there comes a point that God is trying to reach out to you and speak to you time and time again. And, and there comes a point when God's saying, okay, you just don't want to listen to me. Well, I can't do anything anymore for you because you refuse to listen, to hearken to the voice of God. Amen. I'm not here to condemn anybody. Please, I know we, we have weaknesses and we'll have moments where we're in the valleys, when times when we will stumble and times where we will struggle. But at some point, you've got to make up in your mind, I'm going to live my life to please God. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Because there's come a, come a point where God said, okay, you have it your way. I don't want to stop you anymore because you will not listen. And it's either death comes first or the, the, the second coming of the Lord comes first. Either one, there's going to come a cutoff point, a line where God said that's enough is enough. And so I've come to tell you it doesn't matter how dark your life is right now. But God can bring forgiveness. He can bring mercy. He can forgive you and restore you. But you've got to give yourself to God. Oh, hallelujah. Because God is saying, I've had enough. I don't want to go any further. You know, it's just like that, that spoiled kid sometimes or that child, that, that insolent child sometimes, that stubborn kid. Like we are sometimes, the stubbornness. You know, my, my kid would keep trying to touch the heater and touch the fire. And, and we smack their hands and we say, don't do that, don't do that. But if he keeps insisting, there comes a point where you can't monitor him 24-7. And he's going to touch the fire and burn his hand. And that's like with us when God said, okay, I'm going to keep you from sin. I'm going to keep you from that. But at some point, if you continue to insist, God will let you go. Amen. In fact, this is what Romans chapter 1 verse 28 says. Listen to this. This is one of the most powerful verses that you will ever read in the Bible. It says, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, they didn't want to keep God in their minds. They didn't want to retain him. They didn't want to think God's thoughts. They didn't want to apply his word into their lives. That The Bible says, watch this, God gave them over. In other words, God said, okay, I'm giving up. God gave them over or gave up on them to a reprobate mind to those things which are not convenient. In other words, said because they refused to think godly thoughts. God said, okay, I have it your way. I'm going to let you go. And when God lets go of us, when he says, I'm not going to go with you, my presence is not going to be with you. When he releases us, amen, that means that our minds will become reprobate. That means it will no longer be able to think godly. We think right is wrong and wrong is right and we're all messed up. Oh, God forbid that God would ever let us go. Amen. Can I tell you, you may falter. You're going to make mistakes mistakes yes you're gonna sin and all you got to do is say God I'm sorry here I am with all of who I am I give to you in repentance and I'm telling you there is no sin that he will not forgive you of but if you give your life to God he can restore and make something beautiful out of it 
And so Moses realizes this. He said, well, uh, God, we can't do this. I, I can't go there without you. <laughs> I need your presence. We need your presence with us. There's no point for us going to the promised land without you with us. Amen. You know, they say, somebody said that heaven is what makes heaven heaven is because of who's going to be there. Amen. What makes heaven heaven is because Jesus is there. Even if heaven is not paved with streets of gold, even if there's no pearly gates, even if there's no walls of jasper, even if it's just a hut in the middle of the jungle. But if Jesus is there, it's going to be heaven. Oh, and I want to see you there. You know what's going to make it heaven? It's because you're going to be there. We're going to be together. Hallelujah. There'll be no pandemic there. There'll be no shutdowns and lockdowns in heaven. We're going to be there forever. And friend, can I tell you, you've got to keep it in your mind that wherever you go in this life, don't leave without the presence of God. Make sure you seek after his presence in your life. Oh, bless the Lord. Because that's what we need more than anything else in this hour is the presence of God. Jesus promised where two or three are gathered together in his name. He is there in the midst of us. Amen. I don't want to go a step further in this church. I don't want to go one week or one service without the presence of God. Thank God for great music and great talent. Thank God for a wonderful building. And thank God for, for the, the things that we have. That God blesses us. And thank God for all of these things. But God forbid that we have a service. That we operate as a church without the presence of God I would have rather have the presence of God than great instruments and great preaching I would rather have the presence of God than to have good programs and a lot of money in the bucket what we need and what the world needs today is not eloquent speaking it's not beautiful singing it's the presence of God in our midst Oh, hallelujah. You want to know why? Because the Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Oh, what God can do in one moment is far greater than what you can do in five years of your life. What you can accomplish with your hand, God is able in a moment in his presence. Oh, hallelujah. If I can just get to the presence of God. Hallelujah. It's okay if we'll stumble over our words sometimes. It's okay we'll hit some off notes every now and then. But God, don't let us go on without your presence. We need you. We need you in our midst. Amen. Don't shut God out of your life by simply closing your heart. By simply closing your mind. Closing your life. But say, God, I need you in my life. Hallelujah. I've kind of run ahead of myself here today. The Bible tells us that as God began to candidly speak with, uh, Moses began to candidly speak with God in, in, in interceding for the children of Israel. He is frustrated. But now he's, he's realizing, hang on a minute, God is more frustrated than I am. That he wants to leave his people. He says, Lord, how can we, how can we know unless you show us the way? You've, you've got to show us the way to go. And that, that's, again, that's the most fundamental prayer that you could make. Is, God, I want to know the way. That, that's, as a 19-year-old coming into this church, filled with drugs, my, I, I was stoned every day. I was doing all kinds of stuff. I was so lost. I didn't even know there was a way. I, I just thought that this was how life was supposed to be. I'm about to lose my mind. 
And then when I came to the house of God and somebody began to teach me the word of God and showed me there is a way, there is a path. The Bible says that there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. But the Bible tells us also that Jesus said, I am the way. Hallelujah. Can I tell you that there is a path, there is a way that God has ordered and ordained for you, and it doesn't matter what stage in life you're in. It does not matter whether you've got it all together or not, but if you can find the path, if you can get on the way, I'm telling you, you will find the peace and the blessings and the fulfillment of your life. Oh, hallelujah. And so that's what you've got to do today is find the path. If you've been walking one way, then you've got to repent of your sins. In other words, God, I'm coming to you to change my mind. I'm making a new start. I'm going in a new direction. I'm following a new, a new plan for my life. And hear me today. It doesn't matter if you fall or you struggle, but as long as you stay in the way. Hallelujah. Praise God, his GPS works. His GPS has no problems. He's got a path and a way for you. And it's very simple. All you have to do is say, God, I give you my life. I repent of my sins. And the Bible says when you repent, you are to be baptized in Jesus' name. That means you're to be submerged underwater according to Acts 2.38. Repent of your sins. Be baptized to wash away your sins. Oh, that is a wonderful experience. Oh, thank God that when I came up out of the water, when they called on the name of Jesus over my life all of my sins were gone every kind of act every immorality every sinful thought it was removed and I was clean and pure and holy oh hallelujah I wish somebody would know what it's like. Anybody here been baptized in Jesus' name and know what it's like when the name of Jesus was called over you and you were washed and clean? Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. I better save my voice for the second service, third service, fourth service. This is our third service for this weekend. Praise God. So show me the way. The way is clear. And, and then God quickly changes his mind. He doesn't take him very long. He said, okay, I'll go with you. My presence will go with you. That, that's the goodness of God and the kindness of our Lord. In his, in his frustration and discouragement. And we all will go through discouragement. Can I tell you? As a Christian, you are not exempt from trials. You're not going to be kept from, from hardship, discouragement, loneliness. In fact, all of these great men and women of God in the Bible suffered great discouragement and depression. Some of them were manic depressive. We're not exempt from, from going through our valleys. And this is at the point, perhaps one of the lowest points for Moses, where he was so discouraged that he came into the presence of God. Can I tell you, even though we will go through that, God promises that he's going to be with us. He promises that he will see us through every circumstance, every trial. And I can testify of his goodness. So God is never offended he wasn't offended by Moses' requests. And then he'd get to this final, this request that he asks. Moses says to the Lord, please, God, I know that you're going to show me the way. 
I know that your presence now is going to go with us. But he said, show me your glory. And God says, well, that's a difficult thing because if I show you my face, it's going to kill you. You're going to die. So I can't show you my face or my glory. And the glory of God, the Hebrew word for glory is kabod, which, which literally means heaviness or weight. It, it's, it's the essence, it's the, 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 very, the very heart of God or the very face of God himself. And he says, God, show me your glory. And God says, listen up, Mo. I'm not going to show you my glory. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. Amen. Sometimes we ask for things, but God often will say no. God says, no, you can't see my glory because if I do, if I show you my face, you are going to die. But I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you my goodness. He says, there's a, there's a rock by me, by me right here, and I'm going to put you here upon this rock. Hallelujah. There are times when we ask for something from God, and he will say no, because it's going to kill us if he gives it to us. He'll say no to certain requests because he knows that if he gives us those things, they're not going to be for our good. They're not going to be for our benefit. That's why don't get upset, don't get frustrated when you ask something and God says no, because he knows it's not going to be good for you even spiritually. It could kill you spiritually. And so what he says he's going to do is I'm going to put you here on the rock. I'm going to put you right here and upon this rock. Uh, you're going to have my blessing. You're going to have my presence. He says this is where I am. Oh, can I talk to somebody right now and tell you sometimes when things don't turn out the way you want them, when you ask even for things that you believe God ought to give to you and God will say, no, it's for your protection. It's because he knows what's good for you. It's because he knows that if he gives that to you, it could literally kill you spiritually. Amen. And so he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you upon the rock. What's the rock? The rock is Jesus Christ. And he said, a Upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Can I tell you, for every heartache that you feel, for every pain of suffering and loss you will experience, God's consolation for you is this. He said, I'm going to call you and put you in the church. I've still got the church for you. Oh, even if you never make a million dollars, even if you don't get that, 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 that trophy wife or that awesome husband that you wanted even if you never make that career God says I've got something just as good that's not going to kill you it will be better for you I've got the church I'm calling you to stand upon the rock Oh, hallelujah. You hear what I'm saying? There's nothing like the house of God. There's nothing like the family of God. That when I'm down and in despair, I can come upon you. I can call upon my sisters and my brothers and say, come on. I need your help. I need your prayer. He said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. 
Oh, hallelujah. I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're here this morning because you turned up to church. I know that, but let it get into your spirit. If I can just get to the house of God, if I can get in the presence of the Lord, oh, I know everything is going to be all right. Hallelujah. I don't know. I remember as a young Christian, I had so many hang-ups and so many issues. I never thought I was going to be able to live consistently for God. I backslid after a while, and I wasn't. I, was, I went back to the beggarly elements of the world. I started drinking and smoking again, and, and, but somehow, even though I was struggling, I still knew if I could just get to church, if I could just, and I would literally drag my carcass through the doors of the church, sit in the back row, and sit there and wonder, God, what is wrong with me how am I going to get over this and slowly but surely when I kept coming in sometimes with my tail between my legs I knew that God was going to do something and so I went from the back row to the middle row until I found myself at the altar and at the altar God said here it is when you're ready to give your life I've got blessings I've got joy I've got power in store for you Hallelujah. Glory to God. I, I've got to stop. I'm not finished, but I've got to stop. Hallelujah. He says, show me your glory. He said, I can't show you my glory. I, I can show you my goodness. Can I tell you, sometimes his glory can't be seen. He won't reveal certain things to us, but he'll show us his goodness. He said, there's a, little, there's a little area here by the rock. It's a little cleft in the rock, a little area, just, just enough possibly to fit you snugly. In this little cleft that will protect you. And he said, I'm going to let my goodness pass by you. And as I'm passing by you, I'm going to put my hand over you so that when my glory comes, it's not going to consume you. You know, it's that powerful. It's like trying to look at the sun with your naked eye. You're going to go blind. You can't do that. And that's what it's like to look in the glory of God. It will literally consume our physical bodies. But he said, I'm going to put my hand over you. I'm going to pass by you. And when I remove my hand, you can see my back parts. You can see my hinder parts. And, and that's no mean feat either. Remember that when Moses came off this mountain and he started walking down to the people of Israel, the Bible says his face was glowing so much with the glory of God, the people couldn't look at his face. You talk about a, a brilliance. You talk about a, a, a glory, a shine, that they couldn't even look at his face. Because it was so filled. And, and he didn't even look at the, the face of God. He only saw his back parts. Can I tell you here today? This same God. And, and I can't get away from the fact that this, this is a type again. Throughout all of the Old Testament, we see the shadows and the type of the Messiah to come. Of Jesus Christ. Musicians, you can come. And, and this type of Jesus... In that we could not see his glory. But God said, I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock to show you my goodness. And the glory of God is too bright and too powerful to us to behold. But here's what the Bible says in John chapter 1 verse 14. It says that we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Hallelujah. In other words, the goodness, the glory of God was seen through his goodness through a body, through the man Christ Jesus. That even though we cannot handle 
the power of his raw essence, if you will. Yet now through the face of Jesus Christ, we can touch, we can handle, we can behold him, and we can have access to God. And this beautiful type carries on when he is taken to the cross and he is nailed he's beaten he's bloodied he's bruised he's nailed to the cross lifted up in the sky as it were and he breathed his last breath shedding his blood a pierce a spear was was pierced into his side where the bible says water and blood came gushing forth to signify that he died of a broken heart but when he died in the temple there was a place called the holy of holies and this holy of holies is where the shekinah glory of god comes down in a cloud and 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 sits upon the mercy seat of the ark of the covenant and when jesus died you know what happened in that in that holy of holies the bible says the the veil that separated the holy of holies from everything else was ripped from top to bottom meaning that god is the one that that removed that separation you know what that means folks do you realize what that means for us the implications for us it means now we have access into the holy of holies we have access to the glory of god by virtue of jesus christ Oh, what, what Moses was saying here is, God, God, thank you for showing us the way. Thank you that your presence is with us to help us. But now I want more than just provision. I want more than just, just your help. I want to know you. I want to see your glory. I want to see. I want to be able to look into your eyes. Because the eyes are the gate of the, of the soul. And what Moses was asking, he's not asking for more money, more food, more water, and more stuff. He said, no, I just want to see you for who you are. I want to know you. Would you stand to your feet? I want you to know today that God will provide our every need. Absolutely. We need to ask for stuff. But is there anybody here today that is hungry for, for more than just stuff? You're hungry to really know the God who knows you better than you know yourself. Is there a desire in your heart to say, God, I want, I want to experience a depth in you to know who you are, to be able to gaze into your eyes, to be able to lean, as it were, my head upon your chest and hear your heart beat and let my heart be moved by your own heart. Hallelujah to God. I've got to stop, but I believe the Lord is here working in somebody's life. If you would bow your head as we pray. And then I'm going to make an altar call and invite you to come to this front if you'd like to pray. But right now, if you would raise your hands to the Lord, the same God of glory who answered Moses' request by showing him his goodness is here to reveal his goodness to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we're asking you to touch our hearts today. Lord, we have needs in our lives. We need help. We need to know the way. We need to know the path that you're calling us. Help us to get into that path as we repent of our sins. Help us, Lord, to experience your presence. But Lord, more than anything, we want to know you. We want to come into a relationship with you. 
We want to enter in your presence in prayer and in your word and all that we can do today. We want to build an altar where we can experience a revival and a renewal in our hearts and lives. Today, in the name of Jesus, we open our hearts to you and we come in faith. Put us upon the rock. Put us in the cleft of the rock that will protect us and keep us where we can gaze upon your goodness that sweeps over us. Hallelujah, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I want to open this altar if you would like to come and pray. Make a, a place, a, a commitment, maybe an altar where you can build before God and say, God, I need a renewal, I need a refreshing. Don't underestimate the power of making a fresh commitment before God. Maybe you've done it time and again, but I want you to know if you keep doing it, making a fresh commitment before God, God will honor that, that faith. He will answer you. Nothing happens where you stay in your seat and your arms folded. Nothing happens there. But when you take a step out and come to this altar and find a place between you and God, He answers. It's an act of faith. Hallelujah. Why don't we do that right now wherever you are. If you feel comfortable for people to pray for you, why don't you step out of your seats and pray? You can pray in your own seats if you like. But if something's speaking to you, if God's speaking to you right now, why don't you obey his voice? Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, because you love us. Matchless love and beauty in this world. For nothing in this world can satisfy. Oh, yes. Jesus, you're the cup that won't run dry. That's it. Call upon his name. The glory of the Lord is here. Jesus.